Hey folks, before we get started with the show today, I just wanted to fill you in on this week's sponsor, which is... Wait. It, it's me. I'm the sponsor. I I am my own sponsor. Is that is that possible? Maybe. Is it does it technic can I technically count as my own sponsor? I don't fully know, but here's the thing. I just recently started up my new online apparel company called Tiger Blast Apparel. Tiger Blast Apparel is all about celebrating the things that we love, from vinyl records, to video games, to fun motivational sayings, and of course, most importantly, movies. So far, we have a great selection of shirts to choose from, but I have plenty of other designs on the way, and even maybe some hats, maybe some hoodies, and who knows what else is in store, and of course, more movie-related designs. And I'm even working on coming up with some kind of uh, shirt or merch for the podcast. So to everyone listening right now, as a way to give you a little incentive, a little treat to hop on over, go to tigerblastapparel.com right now, pick out whatever you'd like. You could order one shirt, you could order five shirts, you could order whatever you want. And then when you go to the discount code field, you're going to type in movies with Matt 10, all one word, and then you're going to get 10% off your first order. How about that? I'd say that's pretty sweet. So listen, when you support Tiger Blast Apparel, you're supporting me, which is supporting the show. So head on over today, use that discount code, and start start wearing what you love. Invite other people in and just wear some dang cool shirts. So with that said, I'm going to hand it off to my audio engineer, Dennis, and he is going to cue that intro music. Movies of Matt. Movies of Matt. Movies, movies, movies of Matt. 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 Well, hello everyone and welcome to the show. I am your host, Matthew Ferris, here on Movies of Matt. And today, it is not me alone. And today, the person with me is someone who is going to become a regular here, a regular co-host, as you could put it. Here's the mystery clues. He is my of my own flesh and blood of kin. I was uh, born before him, and his name rhymes with Duke. If you haven't guessed already, joining me today is going to be a regular co-host on the show, my younger brother, Luke... Freres! Welcome Luke Freres to the show. Welcome Luke Freres to the show. Welcome Luke Freres to the show. Welcome Luke Freres. 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 Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, it is uh gonna be a fun time here with luke luke is probably the person i watch and talk about the most movies with and most series with uh to those of you wondering he is again he's my younger brother he's also an actor he has a brilliant creative mind and uh i know the day's coming when he will be making films of his own so well i guess first i'll i'll ask you the question i ask everybody is what is your relationship 
with movies. How would you describe it? It could be as simple huh. as... What's my relationship with, with, with movies? movies? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about that. Um, honestly, I just really freaking love movies. <laughs> simple enough, it's yeah. It's hard to pinpoint one thing. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah, I just really freaking love movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simple, and I mean, yeah, so it's just a simple, pure mm-hmm. love for movies. And I just, I think like anyone else, it just, just like anyone else, I love just getting like sucked into a great story. Yeah. And just appreciate really beautifully and competently made cinema. That's like, that's a, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's, a, I think, no, that's a, Perfect answer. Also, I realized I left the fan in my room on, so I apologize if I don't know if you guys heard that. But yeah, that's that's a brilliant answer, and that's I think a part of why we watch so much together and, and connect so much, and why you're gonna be a great co-host here on the show. So, what would you say your favorite movie of all time is? Um, hmm, it's uh, yeah, that's hard. I guess if I had to pick one one single film mm-hmm. hmm i always flip-flop between like a a, a, a few different options mm-hmm. but one of my favorite films of all time and maybe my number one favorite is 2001 a space odyssey that's that's a yeah that's a great answer <laughs> i mean needless to say if you haven't seen 2001 or to those you've like it's just i mean that film's a masterpiece yeah. So, I know. And we, I know, we were actually fortunate, too, because we got to go, how many, because this is the summer they were filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they were filming it in downtown Hollywood. So what was that, like, two years ago around? Has it been a couple years? Um, I feel like. Yeah, I, th- I think it was about two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry to go off this change, but I'm like, this is a great story, because we got to, uh, it was, yeah, I, I think uh, they were doing a restored uh, like 70 millimeter print of 2001 a space odyssey it i forgot if it had premiered at Cannes, and i think christopher nolan was actually behind it or a part of the project to restore this uh beautiful big print of 2001 and so after it premiered at i believe it was Cannes, uh imdb it if i'm mistaken but they actually did a limited release of it to theaters and so at the time we we're still living in la county in california and the arc light in Hollywood was playing it at the dome. Uh, on yeah, it was like seventy millimeter. So we got mm. tickets to go because we really wanted to watch it there. And then the day that we got tickets, it just so happened that they were filming second unit stuff for Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And so we actually realized like, oh wait, our movie like our theater isn't in the dome. It's in one of the side theaters. And we realized it was because of this. So then we went down to Hollywood a bit early. And when we got there, they had they were had just finished filming for the day. But the whole front of the arc light was set up for Once Upon a Time. So it had like, was it like, what's the name of that film? But they had like fake marquees set up for like the premiere of like East of... Uh, oh my goodness, why is the name skipping me? Oh yeah, unfortunately I don't remember... Exactly, but, but the whole front of it was set dressed to have those premier sandies from the '60s, and then even on the side street right there was like a bunch of cars 
from the 50s and mm-hmm. 60s all parked at meters like they were waiting to get picked up from whichever place or lot they had taken them from. So it was like really trippy. And then needless to say, watching 2001 in a theater on actual that restored 70 millimeter print was like, <laughs> it was just kind of unreal. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Like, it was just, mm-hmm. and even the sound, too, like, we weren't even in a special theater, but they, I felt like they had the sound turned up nice and loud, so it's like, yes, when the or- when the orchestra com- comes in yeah. and the classical music in you that film, felt it. Like, you felt you it. You felt it in your seat. Yeah. <laughs> and just, and seeing it with the film, like, it was, yeah. But if you ever have the chance to watch 2001 in a theater setting, I, I say we both highly recommend it. For sure. Yes. Yeah. I ab- would absolutely mm-hmm. recommend it. If you ever get the opportunity to somehow see it in theaters. Yeah. It's just pretty awesome. Yeah. At, so, at some point, we need to get the 4K of uh, 2001. Oh, yeah. Because I heard, because they re-released it. It was probably about a year ago. And I've heard great things just so we can savor it at home on physical media. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, so we get, you guys have gotten to know a little more about Luke's love for film, his favorite movie, playing into his taste, and... You know, you're going to get to know more over the course of the show. And yeah, so we actually have a lot to get to today because normally the structure of these episodes will be kind of around talking about current events, you know, things going on in the world of movies and, and even TV a bit. And usually we'll try and have a film review and such. So we do have all those things today. And then at the same time, uh, tied with our film review, we actually got to go back to a movie theater for the first time in feels like almost like it was a year or something like it was a really long time mm-hmm. so lots of discussion going on today so for current events we're going to keep it as quick and kind of condensed as possible so we can get to everything else but first we're going to do kind of a triple tri- little three pack got your little plastic sealed three pack of uh some trailer reactions we've needlessly had a lot of uh, big trailers drop lately but the three uh, that I want to tune into today here on the show. First off, uh, we have the Dune trailer finally dropped. Denis mm-hmm. Villeneuve's uh, adaptation of Dune. Who, I mean, I have to say off the bat, Denis overall is is one of my favorite directors. Like he's made some brilliant films, and yeah, I think regardless of the film, his I, I know like his direction is always fantastic. And you know, I think most of us when we think of Dune, we probably think of the 1980s david lynch version um i do have to say though no the movie could be like brilliant in every department but if we don't get this space pug that we got in the 80s version the scene where they're running away in battle and sir patrick stewart in the middle of this space adventure is carrying like a pug yeah that's i don't know why it's there but it is it's one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in a movie it's incredible it's just patrick stewart in like this cosmic space battle holding a pug yes it it's it's just sort of amazing it is so actually to those of you listening if you want to help start a campaign hashtag <laughs> space pug or hashtag denise space pug even if they have to insert it digitally yeah um that is probably the most important requirement on my end for <laughs> this film um yeah, so I was very curious because needless to say, you know, the novel Dune is just one of the most influential, highly regarded sci-fi novels and just novels of all time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen the original version with David Lynch and, you know, 
Yeah, I have not read the book. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen, yeah, the David Lynch uh, film. Yeah. From, from the 80s. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's a bit of an, honestly, it's a bit of an odd film. The practical effects for it mm -hmm. um, are really impressive. That's true. That's for, actually a good point. like the, a lot of the ships and a lot of like the environments of the planet mm -hmm. and the dune worms. Yeah. In that, like when it comes to the practical way they went about that stuff, it, it, it looks really cool. Yeah. And there's some shots that are actually, you know, there's some shots that are really cheesy and mm -hmm. noticeably fake, but then there's other shots that are actually really, really convincing and hold up to this day. That's actually a great point. No, I would completely so, agree. In that regard, I actually really appreciate the film. Yeah. But, you know, if you watch it, they obviously had a hard time cramming all the content uh of the book into yeah. that movie i mean needless to say even while we haven't read the book i know like it's an incredibly dense book like yeah, there there's is, a lot to it there's, there's a so lot much. to it mm -hmm. yeah no it's true so to fit it just within a single film is kind of impossible or at least it's incredibly difficult yeah no it, it promised it'd be like a probably a five-hour movie yeah. <laughs> if you tried to make so, it one film. So, so already with Denise, it's already a step up because it it's confirmed that the whole... It's going to be two movies. So yeah. they're at least splitting the book across two films. Which, which is probably for the best. I think so. I would imagine. So there's even then, there's obviously going to be themes that have to be cut and adjusted, but it'll yeah. be... It'll play out much more naturally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so... Yeah, so David Lynch's Dune is not the greatest film of all time, but it, it's at least, it has those positive aspects like you talked about, and it's at least an entertaining film. Yes, it is. You know? Yeah. So it probably gets more crap than it deserves. It's not this, mm -hmm. like, horrible movie. But no. But in terms of living up to, like, the true scope of the book, I, you know, it does not seem... Yeah, I, again, I haven't read the book, um, but from watching the movie, I would have to assume it probably doesn't do the book justice. Yeah. But it's still, it's still worth, I would say it's still worth watching. Totally. I don't think you should just dismiss it as this totally horrible movie. Mm -hmm. There's, like I said, like there are some cool things about it. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's, it just has a hard time trying to fit all yeah. the, 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 the material of the book into the film. Plus some other more bizarre decisions you could say <laughs> yeah. I, again space pug but i'm happy with that decision i love the space pug I and as far as i'm again i've not read the book but mm -hmm. as far as i'm aware of the pug has nothing to do with the story <laughs> in fact i don't even know if the pug is in the book i probably no. kind of doubt it um i might be wrong about that because again i haven't read the book but i just love that david lynch was like yeah let's throw a pug in there yeah. oh patrick Patrick Stewart, can you hold the pug yeah. while you're in the middle of a battle? Even yeah. though they didn't need to do that. They could have filmed that action scene without the pug, yeah. and it wouldn't have changed anything in the movie. Yeah. But I love how they... Well, I don't know if it was planned or if it was just improvised mm -hmm. on set. Yeah. But I love how someone was just like, hey, should Patrick Stewart hold the pug in the middle of battle? Yeah. And David Lynch must have at some point said yes. Yeah. And again, <laughs> think about all the channels they had to go through, because that means, oh, we have to get a pug. We have to have an animal, like, uh, control trainer, all that on set. Like, this wasn't just like, um, like oh, we can just get this in two minutes. Like, they had yeah. to really commit to this decision. And keep in mind, this is Dune. It's incredibly serious, yeah. intellectually, uh, like, like, a very, like, intellectual and serious story. Yeah. 
So it just makes the presence of the Dune Pug all the more interesting. Exactly. And kind of brilliant. Kind of br- <laughs> It's true. So, yeah, so actually, as we think about it, it, it is, yeah, I would, I would agree. It's totally worth watching, and those elements are fun. So now watching, you know, knowing that, okay, they're now remaking Dune. It's split into two movies. It's Denis Villeneuve, uh, hopefully pronouncing it closely, directing it. I don't know if he co-wrote it, or I actually need to check who wrote it. But, um, you know, just seeing alone, stylistically, what he's done, and even in, like, a Blade Runner 2049, you're like, oh, wow, what's... Like mm-hmm. his Dune gonna look like, and mm-hmm. I mean, I would say overall from the trailer, I'm like I'm ple- like pleasantly looking forward to it. I think yeah, stylistically it looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the it, like the cast looks awesome. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and then Tim, I know Timothy Chalamet paint uh, playing playing Paul Atreides. I know I, well, I mean, from an acting standpoint, it makes sense. I know you've talked about. Mm-hmm. You're not sure if you fully buy him in terms of like because Paul Atreides is a character like goes to battle like he has to like be that person so I know Timothy Chalamet in terms of that part of even just kind of his physical presence and look yeah. doesn't quite at least strike that naturally yeah I you mean know? here's the thing he's a he's a great actor mm-hmm. like there's no question about it yeah like he's a great actor mm-hmm. it's just that. And I don't know. It's just because, you know, he's supposed to like rise up as this warrior Mm -hmm. and at some point lead an entire group of people into this epic battle and Mm -hmm. epic war, essentially. And with all due respect, um, I just don't buy him as like a warrior or as like a posing threat of any kind. Again, he's a great actor. I mean, I get no. I he's get a great it. Yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. So it's a, just that yeah. you know you wouldn't like, like you wouldn't cast Michael Sarah as the Hulk. <laughs> I'll put it like Although, that. I have to say, <laughs> if there was a Hulk movie that and I came love out, Michael Sarah, he's he's great. But you wouldn't do that. Why? Because he's not. He doesn't quite have like. But I would watch the that substance movie. to if be it the was Hulk. like Michael Sarah's the new Bruce. <laughs> Actually, hold on. I think you're creating something you don't realize. <laughs> You're telling me, in, especially if it's in the MCU, they're like, we're going <laughs> to relaunch the Hulk. We're having Michael Sarah's Bruce Banner. <laughs> I would actually night one at every one of those movies. But but I, to- oh. I totally see what you're getting at. And especially because when you look at the rest of the cast, you have Dave Bautista, <laughs> Josh Brolin, yeah. uh, freaking, um, oh my goodness, Oscar Isaac. Like, mm-hmm. all great actors. And, it, yeah. you know, when you... When you're talking about like, I guess people who like look like those brooding kind of warriors, they totally sell it. Now, so like, I get it for like, I have to say in the trailer, even like when you see the scene where the lady, uh, well, I said the lady, I I don't know the character's name when she tells him to put his hand in the box, mm-hmm. like parts like that were like, I see why he was cast from like those moments of performance. Like yeah. he totally sells those moments for sure. And I mean, I don't know, maybe. We'll just have to see how they approach that stuff in the movie. Maybe yeah. our perception of it could change. Maybe the execution of it is... I mean, I know that, you know, Paul... Atre- Again, I haven't <laughs> read the book. Mm-hmm. I know Paul Atreides is not... It's not supposed... It's not as if, like, he's this super macho, tough guy. Yeah. That's not what I mean. Yeah, I, it's but not like, like a Dwayne the Rock he, kind of... Yeah, you know. he is a young, a young kid, essentially... 
So he's not like this, yeah, like you said, the Dwayne the Rock mm-hmm. Johnson type. Yeah. But, you know, even if you have somebody who isn't super macho or isn't super mm-hmm. physically intimidating, I don't know, you still, like, need to have somebody who can still betray more of, like, a a warrior resemblance, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't even mean physically, more so just, like, an attitude. Yeah, in and terms of And have it be presence. believable. And Timothy Chalamet... Uh, is not, I don't know. I just have a hard time with that. No. Well, that's that's a fair point. Again, like, even even with the casting, when I heard about it and see it, like, it is kind of both those scenes. I'm like, okay, I totally see why. And again, in those moments of performance, it works and he sells it. But then, yeah, in terms of, I guess, having that presence of leading everyone, I, I can kind of be like, well, I, I wouldn't expect Timothy Chalamet in that department. Um so we'll see. I mean, maybe the way it's executed in the film will surprise us, and maybe mm-hmm. yeah. that will work better. I'm hoping so. Mm-hmm. Worst case, not, and it, it doesn't quite. But at least outside, of, you know, outside of that overall, I mean, mm-hmm. the stylistically, the film looks. It kind of looks a little bit how I'd expect. Like it, yeah, is definitely much more serious, especially compared to the '80s version. Mm-hmm. Uh, stylistically, much more kind of artistic and ethereal, and I mean, yeah. overall, the cast looks great. Like, yes. Again, the people I said before, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Zendaya's in the movie. Who else is in? The, 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 yeah. Um, wait, I feel like there's somebody. Um, oh, it's Har- Javier Bardem? Oh, yeah. Oh, how did yes. I forget him before? Javier Bardem. Like, yeah. And ama- needlessly, an amazing cast and some people that have been in other Denis films. So, <laughs> you know, again, we'll see. Like, the, the teaser doesn't give away mm. too much. Obviously, we even get a peek at, like, one of the sandworms that looks cool so yeah we'll just have to see when the movie comes out because a part of me doesn't fully know what to expect but mm-hmm. overall yeah. i'd say at least the teaser that came out got me at least excited i'm like that looks like it is gonna be hopefully really cool you know yeah 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 for sure so we got that and then another trailer recently honestly and this is related to the dc stuff out of all the dc trailers to me there's no question that the one that took the cake was for uh matt reeves the batman yeah. So that, I have to say, you know, because we've been hearing about that film and it's still in production right now. And I think it even got shut down again because of uh, someone on set getting COVID. And, but so the fact that they had like a teaser come out while they've only, I think they've maybe only filmed like a quarter of the movie by this point. Like they haven't even filmed. Oh, wow. Everything. So the fact that a teaser came out is amazing. But then the teaser that they did release was <laughs> like, oh my God. I've t- it kind of hit me hard i was like dang this is like yeah now who knows maybe it's just a case of like amazing trailer and the movie doesn't quite live up but i don't know i have to say hopefully not hopefully not because um yeah the trailer i i i couldn't help but get excited me too by watching it and even just that i have to say because i know there's a big modern trend in trailers right now of taking classic songs and pop songs and then kind of reworking it with like modern kind of like booms and strings coming in either the whole time or eventually. But I was really impressed with how they approached it in the Batman trailer because they use Nirvana's something in the way, which is already actually such an odd choice because that's Mm -hmm. such a really quiet, dark, specific track. Mm -hmm. So they let it play out naturally, but then even actually how they build on it sonically later in the trailer, Mm -hmm. instead of annoying me like a lot of them do, I was like, oh wow, this is actually... Yeah. Really cool. And because I felt like it actually lined up with the tone 
of what they're going for. So yeah, and I mean, there's so much. Like uh, <laughs> I think we'd agree, our favorite shot in the trailer is when um, there's the group of these like looks like this gang, and they almost have like it looks like Joker makeup on. So I don't know. Yeah, they have some sort of. I feel like it has something to do with Joker or mm-hmm. maybe his influence or something. But it's like them. I forgot what they say, but they're clearly in like a standoff situation with Batman. One of them comes up, and then Robert Pattinson just <laughs> punches him hardcore, like gets mm-hmm. him down, and then just like boom, boom, boom. Like yeah, it was kind of the first time in the cinematic universe of really seen like the kind of the brutal justice Batman. It was like mm-hmm. dang, like, yeah, a more hard, yeah, like you know, in like with the live action movies, it's one of the more harsher moments of uh batman yeah because like, it, yeah it was pretty cool it was, it was really cool because <laughs> you know the obviously the, the the first tim burton film and then the 90s batman films don't you know mm-hmm. don't really go that direction and then yeah. the nolan films tiptoe like kind of tiptoe like it is more realistic but it's not necessarily like well tonally they're very serious mm-hmm. But, like, like, visually, in regards to, like, what you see, it's very tamed. Yeah. You know? Where with this, and we'll have to see, my guess is this film is, I mean, my guess is they're still aiming for a PG-13, but Mm -hmm. I almost wouldn't be surprised if maybe they're willing to make it R, I don't know, but... It's not like this shot was super bloody. It was just like... No. It was was just the execution. It was just, it was really aggressive. It was. Um... But it was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, when I think about many of the Batman comics, and even like the Arkham games, this is like kind of closer to that. Just yeah, like, that's you know. yeah, that's true. Kind of remind it's it makes you think of about or reminds you of more of some like the comics exactly. that take a little bit of like a more edgier look yeah. at Batman. So that was awesome. And I have to say to any Pat of the Pattinson haters with Batman, I feel like this to me this teaser like disproves. Any he looked of that. great in it. He does. He looked great. When I first heard that it was Robert Pattinson who's going to play Batman, mm-hmm. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't against it, but I also wasn't totally convinced. I was mm-hmm. sort of like, okay, we'll see how this goes. Yeah. I was sort of, like, indifferent about it. Mm-hmm. But after the teaser, he looks he looks like he probably does a great job. No. And I even, like, there's, a, I think, a brief moment where we... I think it was in the scene we're talking about where we hear his voice when he's actually Batman you know, in the suit as Batman. Mm -hmm. And I liked his approach, because from what I heard, I don't think he necessarily tries to, like, super make it like this. Like, it's kind of closer to his natural voice. But to me, it actually worked really well. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. And, yeah, I think when most people think of Robert Pattinson, I think there's still a ton of people who only ever know of or think of Twilight. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I get it. The Twilight films are just a mess. (laughs) Uh, And I think even he's, like... identify that in interviews but i like encourage you watch almost any of his other films outside of twilight and he's Mm -hmm. like he's a brilliant actor especially like in a movie like good time i was gonna say because since uh the since the twilight films Mm -hmm. he's done a lot of more independent stuff Mm -hmm. and when you watch when you watch like his stuff after that, you see that he's actually a really fantastic actor. He is. Like he's really good. He no, I would agree. He's the real deal. Like yeah. No spoilers because we're not going to review this episode. But even Tenet, like mm-hmm. he was just in that. He's great in Tenet. Like yeah. he's he really. I can't think of a single movie, you know, outside of Twilight. And I wouldn't say he's bad in Twilight. Like he's he's doing all he can. Like he's great. Pretty much, I'd say he's great in every movie he does. And he's someone who I'm always excited to see. Like how he's going to approach a role, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. 
So, yeah, so needless to say, overall, the Batman teaser, I, I'm really excited now. Like, there's no question out of all the films currently on the docket in the future for the DCU, I'm the most excited about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But we, I know we still have like a year, especially because they're still filming. I think they said it's going to be in October of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So we still have a little over a year, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that is like, yeah, we. I, it sounds like you would agree. Mm-hmm. And then the last trailer that I want us to touch on literally came out today, uh, the day of the recording of this episode was, uh, I know it's not a movie, but for season two or series two of The Mandalorian. So, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And obviously it's a series that, especially for a TV budget, they are trying to go for as cinematic of a look and feel as possible. And it mm-hmm. is just in that department, very impressive. Uh, yes. So even like right off the bat with the teaser for season two, uh, to me, I can already tell, like, as good as season one looked, like, season two, I feel like, is an even higher step up. Like, from a visual standpoint, it looks yeah. it looks great. Mm-hmm. It looks beautiful. And uh, I know maybe at some point we'll do a more in-depth review, but, you know, overall with season one of The Mandalorian, um, I think we both agree, like, outside of, like, a Rogue One, and, and we also enjoy Solo, like, it's definitely the best of what's come out with Disney, Star Wars so far, or at least among it. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely really enjoyed Mandalorian Season 1. Uh, I think upon reflection, well, especially when I think about it more, like it does feel a, a little empty. Like, it's I there's not big negatives or anything. I think it's just more kind yeah. of bare bones, maybe. I would say, overall, I liked Season 1 of The Mandalorian, but there's a, there's a lot of things about it that can be improved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And then maybe at some point we'll do like a full yeah, that review analysis of it. But needless <laughs> to say, enjoy The Mandalorian and I want it to continue. And mm-hmm. yeah, like that's that's kind of my hope is with even with the season two trailer, we don't get too much information. Obviously, the fact that the child, Baby Yoda, is still around is a huge plus. Love ba- like, I love everything they're doing with that character. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we get a little tease about... Uh, I, there's, a, there's a voice comes in. I, I'm not sure who her character is, but alluding that we're going to, you know, get to see the Jedi in the season or something about uh, bringing the child to the Jedi and the... Yeah, but they describe them as sorcerers. Yeah, so I'm so, not sure what perspective or what they know it'll about. Be, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how that unfolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, there, you know, we definitely don't get a ton of plot stuff, but from from that and seeing that it's still... Uh, the Mandalorian and the Childs, like I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll we'll see. I mean, it's definitely a cool initial teaser. Uh, we'll just again, we'll just have to see as more kind of plot details come out. But we don't have to wait long because I think it said it's going to start premiering October 30th. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have, for at least from today, it's about a month and a half, and they release them one week at a time. So honestly, my biggest hope with season two is again like if I could generalize my critique of season one is that it is just a little bare bones. Like there's some episodes that I don't know. And I don't mind episodes that like slow down and kind of focus on something else that it's not about plot. There are some episodes that just feel a little, I don't know, kind of, there's not much going on even in terms of like what we're. Yeah. There are are episodes where there just isn't a whole lot going on with Mm -hmm. either the overall story nor even like, much character development Mm -hmm. or and 
Yeah, there's just some episodes where they just feel like they were sort of just filling out the time. Yeah. And but there wasn't a whole lot really going mm-hmm. on. So, which kind of relates to what I would say is, to me, I almost got the sense of season one is, while it is good and I really enjoy it, it almost felt like they're maybe really holding back, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. And so my hope for season two is, especially after the success of season one, mm-hmm. it seems like universally everyone's really on board with it and it's worked, that they'll just, whatever stuff they're really holding back, they're just going to go for and that mm-hmm. like the series could really fully come to yeah. life. I wouldn't, I, I kind of was... Assume, or at least, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney probably gave them a lot more money. Yeah, totally. <laughs> for season two, <laughs> just because they realized that overall mm-hmm. the fan base really seemed to like season one. Yeah. And, you know, this with the way the sequel movies unfolded was not not as good as they hoped yeah. for. I'll leave and it at that. I know. We'll, we'll have probably, well, might, might need more than one episode that in the would, future. I was going to we'll, say, uh, we would need a whole episode dedicated really... just to the sequel trilogy. The sequel, sequel trilogy. That's, yeah. Yeah. So we won't, we won't get into it now. No. Because it's a lot of. There's a lot to unpack <laughs> there. It would be a there. big derail, but. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with you. I think, yeah, Disney is like, give them even more money. It, show, <laughs> yeah. it, sh- it shows already just in the visuals, and I'm hoping, again, story, even story-wise, like, they can just, like. Mm-hmm. go for it it's amazing how much people love baby yoda it's incredible and how could you not yeah. he's freaking adorable. adorable like baby <laughs> baby yoda's the best it's yeah like inc- and because no one saw it coming like when yeah. we started watching like i had no idea they'd no. pull anything like that no me neither and i'll never forget that first moment it was like <clears throat> yeah like there's a baby, baby of a yoda and it exists like it existed <laughs> this time like uh, yeah oh man so yeah so that was mm-hmm. a genius so needless to say Overall, a pretty good teaser. I'm curious to see more. And I don't know how much more they'll release since it comes out in a month and a half. So Yeah, probably not a whole lot. No. I would imagine. Yeah. But mm-hmm. ho- I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping it's going to be uh, really, really cool. Yeah. So, all right. So this next one, and we'll see. There might not be much to comment on, but uh, one of the big things coming up, obviously, is the infamous Snyder Cut of mm. Justice League. Yeah. Um, and... Obviously, it's going to be exclusively in HBO Max in 2021. So HBO Max is very happy about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it sounds like the now they're we're getting a new title because up until this point it's been called the Snyder Cut, but it was uh, I guess a poster that premiered at the recent DC fandom, but now it's just going to be called Justice League, the Director's Cut, as opposed to the Snyder Cut interesting yeah which i actually this seems like a small thing but it does seem interesting because the whole campaign was just focused on snyder cut calling it the snyder cut so yeah while this seems like a little detail i don't know if it would kind of what the effect it would have or it might dismay some fans i guess it depends how you look at it yeah because justice league was originally Zack snyder's film to begin with mm-hmm. but then due to horrible family tragedy yeah he had to step down Mm -hmm. and then did did they film some of it before joss whedon stepped in yes i think at the point when Zack snyder had stepped away if i'm not mistaken i think they had completed principal photography and were currently in post-production but i think at the same time they maybe were doing extra doing reshoots I'd mm-hmm. have to look it up to be specific, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like the movie was 100% done. Like, they were still 
Yeah. At the very least doing reshoots and mm-hmm. in post-production. And then, yeah, Joss Whedon stepped in and they very much changed the direction yeah. of the movie big time. Um, My guess with the name change is uh, changing from the Snyder cut to the director's cut mm-hmm. is that um, maybe they wanted to give the impression that, oh, this is what he envisioned from the get-go all along. Interesting. Not, that makes they sense. didn't want it to feel... May, and I'm just guessing, so I could be totally wrong. Mm-hmm. This is just a guess. Yeah. Then maybe they changed the title of it because they didn't want it... They didn't want it... The implication to be that, oh, he stepped in and just, like... Yeah, like, like, oh, like try to like Snyder take it over. It. Yeah. yeah, like try to like take it over from Joss Whedon. Maybe they changed the name because they wanted to leave the impression that oh no, this is what he was gonna do all like from the very beginning. It's actually a brilliant point. I didn't even think about. I didn't see through that lens before. Yeah, cause think about it. Instead of just being yeah, like Snyder's just stepping back in. It's like no, this is just like the director's cut it like yeah has a stance and finality to it and i could be wrong that's just the way i interpreted totally that title change and um yeah and then obviously to piggyback off that overall you know talking about this like i have to say i'm actually look i'm more curious looking more forward to this cut of the justice Mm -hmm. league than i thought after the initial teaser because you know we we saw the original version the theatrical the theatrical and it it's not a good movie. Without getting to a full review here, it's not. It's definitely not a great. Yeah, it's not a great movie. It it's, wasn't. It's not, whole, um, it's not the worst movie of all time. It's no. Nothing like that. No. I don't think it was quite as bad as some people made it out to yeah, be. That's fair. But it wasn't very good. No. <laughs> and and I mean, when you watch it, you can tell there is just so much reworking, retoning, yeah. reshooting, editing, like. Mm-hmm. You can just feel it when you watch the film. Yeah. And um, and so that's why this is a big, bigger deal, I guess, than I even fully thought about is because, like, no, they're actually paying, like, the millions of dollars for not only all the scenes that weren't included in but doing all the new visual effects work. And it's going to be, I think, at around four hours long. So it's going to be a long oh, wow. movie, which then hmm. people pointed out, like, in the teaser we see, like, Oh, like the Flash is gonna actually have his story fleshed out, and even Cyborg and mm-hmm. yeah. all that. So you know, we'll see. I don't think like this is not uh, well now the director's cut, mm-hmm. Snyder cut. I mean, who knows? There, there's a small percentage chance maybe it makes the movie some kind of brilliant film. I don't think it's necessarily gonna make it like the most amazing movie of all time. But my guess is at the very least, it's gonna be a much bigger improved experience it'll at least make the film like have a um what 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 is the word i'm trying to go for here like instead of feeling like mishmashed and reshot like the theatrical cut it'll Mm -hmm. feel like at the very least from beginning to end this is a film that has one clear vision followed the whole yeah i think it my guess is it will probably feel much more consistent yeah even just tonally yeah and i'm hoping story-wise i think it will be an improvement overall. I would be shocked if somehow mm-hmm. it's I, it couldn't be worse than the theatrical cut. I wouldn't. I, wouldn't I would think be so. shocked. Yeah. I, my guess is that it will at least be better than mm-hmm. the theatrical. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So and and again, there's shots in the teaser where like, oh wow, we didn't see any of this stuff before and mm-hmm. yeah. different things. So I would say I'm actually I'm looking more forward to it. Yeah. Than I thought. Hmm. Um. All right. So. Final discussion point we're just going to touch on here before we get into our meat, our, you know, 
theatrical experience. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Is um. All right, so the final story we're going to touch on before we get back to or before we get to our journey to the movie theater and our movie review is uh the current box office or recent box office going on for Tenet and for Mulan, especially considering just everything going on still with COVID-19 and theater shut down and even two polar almost polar opposite releases between these two films. Tenet being a film that's exclusively only come out to theaters and then Mulan, which is, uh, to be fair, I think it it's out in theaters internationally. And I think maybe in select places here it's in theaters or might come to some. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but obviously the big, the main rollout for Mulan has been uh, exclusively through Disney Plus, where you can pay $30 to be able to watch it now. Um, and at least according to this story here... Um, while Tenet is still new box office-wise here in the States and, you know, has hit a lower threshold because uh, there's still major markets here closed down, uh, it looks like Tenet, at least globally, has hit around $200 million, which I actually would say, considering everything going on, is actually, a, would say, a really pot, like impressive thing like mm-hmm. to make yeah. that much money so far. And then, uh, supposedly with Mulan, it looks like it's actually... Uh, I think flopping more in China than they were expecting. Hmm. Um, That's kind of surprising. Yeah, it looks like Mulan only took in twenty three point three million in its three day opening in China, hmm. which I guess is low. Uh, and then it has low social scores, even on I think different Chinese websites, and I think a good amount of piracy going on. Oh, uh, with uh, yeah, and a part of the blame I think is being put on. Uh, the movie being partially released on Disney Plus, so I guess tr- it's still ahead of when I think Mu- or Aladdin opened in China. I think mm. about twenty three percent ahead. So it sounds, at least, it sounds like it's not making quite as much in China in its initial opening that they were hoping for. And mm-hmm. it's pretty clear, at least with Mulan, that I think they were purposely trying to gear it to be a live action remake that would be huge there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost, I actually read an interesting article is. I think a lot of Chinese audiences are almost kind of catching on to this in terms of a lot of big U.S. movies or, or from big studios trying to purposely re gear movies that are towards those audiences. And mm-hmm. I think they're almost, uh, I don't know, I'd have to look into the specifics of it, but at least some Chinese audiences are almost kind of getting turned off to this in a way. And that it's actually leading them to prefer more homegrown films, like films made in China or... Uh, other films from various places so interesting yeah so i find that interesting um but again we we you know we do live in a strange time with these releases and you know Mm -hmm. yeah with the release of mulan on disney plus i wouldn't be surprised if that is affecting how much box office it's going to get in theaters you know even in places like china yeah it is kind of um it is kind of odd and the thing is to watch mulan you have to already have a Disney Plus subscription. Yeah, so you're already and then on the, top of yeah. that, pay thirty bucks. That's a lot. It is a lot, and and because now it's been confirmed that the movie is going to be available to all subscribers on Disney Plus, I think in December. Yeah, you know? so I just don't know why. So sure, you're pay- I get you're paying thirty dollars for the to be able to watch it now, but <laughs> you know, yeah, I know it does seem. Yeah, I mean, but personally, 
I'm just gonna wait till December. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah, we now we haven't seen the movie yet, so I know we can't. I guess comment fully in our opinions on it. But you know, mm-hmm. well, especially you know, I yeah. get it for people who, especially who have families or kids, multiple people like they'll just pay thirty dollars. But if you're just one person, yeah, or only a couple, and you're paying thirty dollars to watch it, it's more expensive. Or you could pay just as much or go get like a cool theater experience. So yeah, you know, I mean, I get it. It's a weird time, and I think Disney's just doing it more to save face because clearly they wanted a really big theatrical run for it, and. Mm-hmm. They've, you know, delayed the movie, because the movie originally was supposed to come out, I think, at, like, the beginning of summer, if not earlier, so it's, like... Yeah. I think they're just trying it out to see. And I'm, I, I don't know, I'm just waiting for them to release how much money they've actually pulled in mm-hmm. from releasing it in Disney+. Plus. I'm sure it's at least a, a good amount, but... Yeah. You know? I would just say, if you really want to watch Mulan, just watch the original animated film. Yeah. The original classic. Mm-hmm. And then just wait till December to watch this yeah. remake and compare the two side yeah. by side. I mean, I know without getting to a whole discussion at this point, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to. I would say overall, like I, I haven't really been on board with the, the live action remakes that that Disney's been going for because to me it seems most of the time that the originals are just still the strongest version. So you know, yeah. and especially in a case like this where mm-hmm. oh, if you want to watch it, pay thirty dollars. You know. Yeah, I guess, you know, we talked about doing, like, a a whole episode just for the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. I feel like we might also need to do an episode just for the, like, Disney uh, remakes. The live-action like, era. Yeah, yeah like, live-action live action remakes. remakes. I mean, of, like, Aladdin and um, The Lion King. I would agree with that. Mulan. So, overall, I'll be curious to see how they go toe-to-toe. So, mm-hmm. at least Tenet, as far as international box office goes, for the... At least with everything going on, I'd say they're making at least a, an impressive good amount. Yeah. And I'll be curious to see. I feel like even, too, here in the States, once... You know, because, again, considering, like, you know, major markets like New York and Los Angeles and stuff are still pretty much shut down. It's That's a, you know, they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to make as much. And the theaters that are open now, you know, are open at, like, 30% capacity. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, once more theaters reopen, and I'll be curious if they expand to drive-in theaters, I feel like... Yeah. Overall, I'd say for the circumstances, Tenet's, I would say Tenet's doing a good job, box office wise. And Mm -hmm. with Mulan, um, yeah, we'll just have to see, actually. I'll be curious what those numbers are like. Yeah, I don't want to say too much about Mulan until we officially watch it. I've heard spoilers and Mm -hmm. read reviews about it. Yeah. So I I think I pretty much know what happens, but I won't. I guess we shouldn't say much until we actually yeah, see it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now that we are out of the current uh, events portion of the show, now it's actually time to talk about uh, kind of a crazy special experience. Is again, you know, we've all been living through this time of COVID nineteen. We've been experiencing these lockdowns since pretty much uh, what was it like the end of February, beginning of March, and so for. Pretty much since it began, movie theaters have been shut down. So mm-hmm. I think the last movie I had seen was, what was it? It might have been, I think I saw Little Women in like <laughs> January or February, uh, Greta mm-hmm. Gerwig's remake. And that was it. I think the last movie I saw was in December. I think, I'm trying to, was it, Um, I think it might have been 1917. Oh, I wonder, was it? Or was, was it Jojo? Well, oh, because we actually we saw Jojo Rabbit. 
on my <laughs> fun fact, my birthday, January seventh. So we jo- actually oh. saw Jojo. I remember we saw Jojo Rabbit oh, on January seventh, okay. and then I might have seen Little Women after that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else you and I saw in a theater after Jojo Rabbit. For some reason, I thought I thought we saw Jojo earlier. Never mind. <laughs> or maybe we saw 1917 after Jojo Rabbit. Maybe that's how it happened. Maybe. I don't see, you know yeah. what now I can't say. So, I mean, I guess essentially regardless, like we hadn't seen a movie till a little at least a little before the lockdown. Like yeah, right before. So, mm-hmm. and, and Luke would agree like the our favorite and best way to watch movies is in the theater. No question. Yeah, it's definitely preferred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like watching movies at home is great and especially when we can watch it off physical media. Yeah. Um, but the theatrical experience is preferred. So, um while many theaters are still closed down around the country right now, I think they're slow, slowly starting to reopen more. You know, again, major markets like Los Angeles, New York. I'll be curious to see when they get back up. But mm-hmm. at least in our area, theaters, regular theaters have started to reopen. And not only that, but we actually live near an Alamo Draft House theater. This is not mm-hmm. sponsored. This is purely just, you know, <laughs> uh, our own voluntary experience. But... Over the years, we've heard about Alamo Draft House, about just pretty much how much people love them, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, so uh, we, this is, gosh, how many, it's probably been a couple weeks now since we did, yeah, I think it's been almost a couple weeks since this uh, this night, this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got to go to an Alamo Draft House um, for the first time, and I have to say, at least overall, being back in a the theater, it was just... It felt a little weird and, um, you know, obviously for people, there's, you know, many people who don't feel safe enough or they don't have a theater open up to them, which is totally fine, is obviously understandable and such and everyone has to make the decision best for themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, I would say at least with all, especially all the safety precautions like an Alamo Draft House has in place, like Mm -hmm. it felt really safe and clean and all that um, for me, like everyone's required to wear masks and then they only i think are doing like 30 percent seat capacity so only selling 30 percent of tickets and then even then it's reserved seating so wherever you buy your tickets then they buffer all like the seats around you so everyone Mm -hmm. always has empty seats and i'm pretty sure they disinfect the seats after each viewing exactly so you're Mm -hmm. never you're never sitting on a seat that someone else was in without it have been cleaned yeah first. like they got the, these crazy like yeah. backpack spray clean things and i think they might i think many places too have they gotten like all new air filters mm-hmm. they've essentially taken a ton of steps to like yeah follow all the protocols that other places that are open right now are yeah and in some respects doing i think i would argue an even like, better job frankly know? like with because they're taking all the proper precautions you know it's no more risky than going to the grocery store yeah i would know? say so because you're still you're staying you're social distancing from people mm-hmm. you have masks on they're yeah. cleaning down everything that you would touch and then, that other people would touch yeah. and even when the movie's <laughs> over they have you exit just by row in order of the mm-hmm. rows so it's yeah. like to avoid like people overcrowding so yeah i would say in terms of what places like that can do like alamo draft has to go in above and beyond yeah for sure but so you know outside of those things like it felt it just felt honestly kind of amazing to be back in the theater like it was just mm-hmm. kind of strange yeah, plus it's just a really, really cool movie theater. Yeah, Alamo Draft House. Now, it maybe dif- differs location to location, but the one by us, I was, like, really impressed. Yeah. Like, it, cl- I th- the way I could summarize it is, there's many theaters that 
I, I love going to any theater. Um, and there's many that just, you know, it's just business as usual. They just have it set up like you'd expect and they play movies. Uh, but a place like Alamo Draft House, it's clear just in the management and in the the way they're constructed presentation and, and even their staff members. Like it's a place that they love movies and they love the movies. Like they clearly love curating an experience for people, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, and because you don't get that everywhere, I would N- say. No. You know? Even when you walk in and you or you walk down the hallway, it's really cool because there's posters of both old movies mm-hmm. as well as you know as well as new ones coming out. Yeah, and it's not only it's not just like really reviewing yeah, like classics. your Godfathers and Casablanca, yeah, which would still even if it was just that, great. that would still be awesome. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because it's also a lot of more like niche movies or like and even cult b- classics and, and b movies too. yeah like, b movies movies that you know? are not necessarily like highly acclaimed or yeah. even very like well remembered mm-hmm. or glorified they have all, just all sorts of movies movie posters like decked out in the hallways exactly so you could just tell like this is a place like run by people who are really passionate about film just movies and yeah. movies of all shapes and sizes and i yeah. think that's almost what to me like, I could pick up on, like, oh, wow, they really love movies, you know? Yeah. I guess, I mean, not to suggest there's anything wrong with, like, having all the classics plastic. No. Like, that's exciting, too, but this is, like, we love all those movies, but then we love all the other movies you yeah. watch, too. Like, your Chuck Norris movies, or your <laughs> Dragon, yeah. or, you know, in this case, like, your Bill and Ted's. Like, we they love... Yeah. Like, ev- everything. Yeah. You know? And it's infectious, so... And then yeah. what's even cooler, which I know you you really loved was um normally whenever you go to the movie theaters what you're most used to is before even the trailers start they have just some they just have like regular commercials playing mostly Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like a plug for the theater or theater services but you know it's usually ads it's ads which makes sense for those theaters it's people you know companies paying to have their ads but Mm -hmm. that's not at all what they do at alamo draft house no which i was surprised by like they uh obviously Today we're going to be reviewing Bill and Ted Face the Music. That was mm-hmm. the movie, our first movie back at the theaters, which ended up being a really nice experience. Mm-hmm. But what was crazy is before we got to the theater a little early, so before even the trailers, instead of having them play commercials like normal, they it was like a, what would you even call it? It's like a curated like collection of like old commercials and interviews. Mm-hmm. All these things essentially that are like just purely about the Bill and Ted films. Yeah, it was funny. They had clips from like old TV spots that were must have been promotionals for the first two movies. Mm-hmm. And then they also showed footage of like um Keanu Reeves and uh, Alex Winter's mm-hmm. uh auditions yeah. for Bill and Ted. And then it also just show it just showed like a lot of different things. Yeah. And and then they even had a brief uh recap of the first two films. Yeah, they, like they cut the first clips from the first two films together to like catch you up to speed with yeah, like the story all before the trailer so yeah it was really cool because you got this very specialized mm-hmm. experience for the movie before the trailers even started which we were not expecting at no, all i had a, no idea and we probably got there at least like 10 15 minutes early and it was like and like we didn't even think about the time normally when there's commercials you know you're like okay you're waiting but this is yeah. like oh, wow, you actually got sucked in because it was, like, cool curated <laughs> stuff that had to yeah. do with the movie you're seeing. Yeah. And before you even realized, like, oh, the trailers are starting now. Like, the thing's actually... Yeah, it actually made you, like, excited for... 
Yeah, because normally when you, you go to a movie theater and, you know, just playing the regular ads before mm-hmm. the trailers, you're really just, like, running down the clock. Yeah. <laughs> you're just waiting for mm-hmm. the trailers to start. Where the difference here is that it's not running down the clock. It's, no, before this even starts, we're, like... We're getting you in the mood for the movie. Yes, we're, we're like, that's exactly you know, what it is. They get you in the mood for the movie. movie. Which is so genius. I'm like, I can't, outside of like a new Beverly cinema, I can't think of other theaters that are doing that. Like, Yeah, no. It's just really cool. And then mm-hmm. uh, this, the night after, we're not, we're, we'll review this next week, but uh, when we, we, we got to see Tenet, we yeah. saw two movies two nights in a row, which was great. That pre-show was like, oh, all about Christopher Nolan films. And then mm-hmm. because... Tenet, in many ways, is Nolan pulling on his James Bond influences. Then they were playing all this James Bond stuff, too, tied yeah. with, like... So it's like, whatever movie you're seeing, they curate that pre-show specifically for that film. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was really cool. And it then, was. Um, and, and this is actually for both times, but what was also, you know, when we saw the movie, it was only... Must have been only, I think, a few days after the news that Chadwick Boseman, you know, passed away, which is, you know... Just just horrible and just very sad. And what was um, actually really kind of special and cool that they did is Alamo Drafthouse is famous for their no talking, no texting rule during the movie. And so whether it's like people on a promotional tour for their film, they'll have various uh, actors and filmmakers record these video spots that play right before the trailers. That sometimes they could be kind of like sketches of them being like, you know, better not talk and text during the movie, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so for our screenings, while again, we weren't even seen uh, like a rescreening of Black Panther or anything, they actually played one that had Chadwick Boseman and I believe her name is, I think is, is it Latita Wright? Uh, I believe I so. I'm going to IMDb because I don't want to. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I don't want to mess up her name. I don't, I don't fully remember, I'm yeah. afraid. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. You can hear my little clicky clack. <laughs> I, I'm IMDb clicky clack. I'm pretty sure it's Latina right. This is real time, people. Yes, okay. I was right about. <laughs> or is it. Lati, or Latidia? I think that's how you pronounce it. She plays. Uh, Shuri, she's a great actor. That was probably just an unnecessary rabbit hole. But, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> jumping back and i know especially because it was an emotional thing they played the one where yeah it was around the time clearly black panther had come out and it was chadwick boseman in that video message for the audience so it was which is it was you know emotional and I, it was just cool i was like oh wow like it was emotional it was mm-hmm. very it was very sad but it was also kind of very sweet and endearing in a way yeah like mm-hmm. it was just it was like it's such a small act, but it was, like, such a cool way for them to pay tribute to him. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. So, I have to say, and again, it, to me, it just adds to the reasons why a place like Alamo Drafthouse is the the real deal. Mm-hmm. But then, even just the setup. Like, because uh, the way it works is they're famous, like, they have a whole bar and even a whole menu. And I think, for right now, they still have, like, the menu limited, but even then, there's still a lot. Uh, when you go to an Alamo Drafthouse... If you bought your tickets online before, you actually don't have to have anyone scan it at the front door. Like, you just go in and go straight to your theater and seats and just sit down. Yeah. And then they have these, like, ninja servers (laughs) that work at Alamo Drafthouse. That, like, (laughs) after you come into the theater, either before the movie starts or even right as the trailers are starting, they come up to you, they welcome you, and then they have a whole menu. And at any time during the movie, 
you can order anything you'd like off there. And they have, like, a ton of, like, mm-hmm. drinks. Like, I think we each enjoyed, like, a beer during both films, which yeah. is, like, it was really nice. nice. <laughs> I even tried, like, one of their pizzas, like, the second night. And it was, mm-hmm. like, legit. It wasn't, like, oh, you get one of those kind of microwaved ones at other theaters. It was like, <laughs> oh, no, this is, like, a legit pizza they cooked. And it was <laughs> yeah. awesome. But And it's cool, too, because the way it works is, you know, they'll ask what you want at the start but then like anytime during the movie they leave like multiple pieces of paper and a pen so at any point during the movie you just take one of those write down whatever you want from them mm-hmm. and then you place it on this like little stand thing because e- like each couple of seats is like a little table and then throughout the movie they'll be checking that and if you leave a piece of paper they'll just quietly grab it bring you whatever you want yeah and i guess why it stands out is you know i think there's other like theaters that kind of have this set up and maybe make it more luxury but a place like alamo draft house the ticket prices are super affordable like especially compared to la they're actually at least here in arizona on the cheaper end but Mm -hmm. like the experience is like it, it feels like a luxury experience but at the same time like very comfortable and approachable like yes and yeah. so it, it was just kind of crazy like to you know experience that in a movie theater and take advantage of like that whole mm-hmm. system like it was really cool yeah so yeah so that you know and then as the trailers and the movie started we we didn't even pay for like a premium screening but just the picture and sound quality was like on par like i was really impressed because there's many theaters where it's fine mm-hmm. but like here and we saw two different movies across two different theaters it was like everyone was like the highest picture quality and the highest sound quality like i was really impressed so again overall mm-hmm. elmo draft house like from beginning to end it was like an awesome experience it was mm-hmm. really cool yeah so obviously in talking about all this our first night back we saw a movie needless to say this is our first movie back to theater since essentially the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and the movie that we saw if you were listening before is Bill and Ted face the music. So uh, this was, uh, overall, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, actually written by the original two screenwriters from, I think it was at least the first film. I'm not sure if they wrote, or one of them wrote Bill and Ted Bogus Journey. And then it was, uh, it was yeah, it was Chris Matheson, Ed Solomon. And then Dean, uh, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, Perizot or Perizot? Uh, he directed this movie, and my favorite movie of his he's, that he's directed in the past is actually Galaxy Quest, which is a really <laughs> just fun, funny movie. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, going into it, like I, I'm a fan of the first two movies for sure. Like yeah. I really enjoy them. And then, what would you say is your favorite of the original two Bill and Ted movies? Um, hmm. You know, I don't know if my opinion would change at all rewatching them, mm-hmm. but. I kind of lean towards the second film. Yeah, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like that one might be my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm trying to remember because it's been a while. I feel like I actually may agree with you on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Um, but yeah, needless to say, like the original two Bill and Ted movies are just really fun, great yeah. comedies, and just yes, and very warm and endearing. I mean, it's Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. They're amazing in the roles. Mm-hmm. So. It's just, again, we live in a time where we're actually getting a third Bill and Ted movie. Because yeah. I'm looking up when uh, the second film came out for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. How many years it's actually... Oh, it came out 
Oh wow! It was the first one. Was it eighty nine? I feel like it was eighty nine. Yeah, and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey <clears throat> was ninety one. So it's been what is that? Is that almost thirty years? It's been it's been or no, like, not thirty. What am I saying? Well, it's been just over thirty since the the first one. Because if the let's see ninety one. Oh, well, so two thousand one would be ten years, and then two thousand eleven would be twenty years. Oh yes, I guess it's been almost thirty years since at least the second. Since film the came second out. one, yes, yeah, since been the second 30. film came out, so mm-hmm. that's a long time. And obviously, in kind of the realm of movie series, where they have you know an, a third film or an extra film come out so many years after the fact that like yeah, it's always really interesting and it's always kind of dicey. It is. It's pretty. It can be pretty risky. Yeah. Especially since the first two movies rely so much on Keanu and uh, Alex Winter's mm-hmm. charisma. Yeah. And like, just their youthfulness and, yeah, and energy. Yeah, their energy. It's, you know, those are, it's a big part of those movies. Yeah. So making a sequel 30, almost 30 years later is, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be pretty risky. Yeah, so with Bill and Ted Face the Music, I would, especially as this being like the first film back to theaters after everything we've gone through, I have to say, it would, for me, it was a really great experience. Like, I would sum up the film, it really is just kind of like a warm blanket, you know? That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. Because um, this film, you know, picks up its Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter coming back and other of the original cast members resuming the roles as Bill and Ted and it focuses on them now as middle-aged dads and they still haven't had like the huge success that they thought they would with writing the song that would save the world. And mm-hmm. essentially what it comes down to is, you know, they both have, they each have a kid now and that they figure out, Oh, we have to now we have this limited time to write the song to save the world or else like time in the mm-hmm. universe itself will fall apart. Yeah. No spoilies. That's, you know, essentially the setup going into this film. And it was, I have to say, you know, I was impressed, like, even just with Keanu and Alex Winter, at least for me, I felt like they both clicked right back in. Yeah, to for Bill sure. And Ted, like, into their characters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then even the casting of their daughters, because I think Samara Weaving uh, plays Alex Winter's daughter, and then, is it Bridget Lundy Payne? She plays Keanu's daughter, and I actually thought they were both, like, kind of perfectly cast in the movie. I actually thought they worked really well. Yeah, no, they, they both were perfect picks for for playing their daughters yeah especially because the film kind of you know switches back and forth a bit between the the different storylines yeah um you know i would i wouldn't say the movie's anything like world changing or reinventing the wheel like in many ways it kind of is almost the movie i expected it to be going in Mm -hmm. like it's you know just an hour and a half so it goes by like a breeze and yeah, it was honestly just fun. Like, it was just fun watching these characters again, and they don't make any weird decisions to, like, I don't know, like, really change, at, like, anything about the characters or, like, deconstruct them. Like, mm-hmm. you're just getting to watch them move forward at this point in their life. And I thought overall, like, the movie was just really funny. Yeah. And, yeah, like, it, yeah, it was just a fun time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think as far as any kind of, like big notes or critiques of the movie goes um because i don't yeah you know i mean for me i would say that um i definitely enjoyed it mm-hmm. and it's really fun seeing like it's really fun seeing keanu 
and Alex Winter is back. It's really fun seeing that they bring back Death. Yes. Oh my. That's that was one of my favorite parts of the movie because he's he's one of my absolute yeah. favorite parts of the original two films. And then to have him come back for this movie was just it was awesome. I yeah. Lo- I, I loved getting to watch that, him again. That was maybe yeah one of my favorite maybe my favorite part of uh of this one was was seeing Death back. Yeah. Um. So you know if you enjoyed the first two movies, I think you're definitely go- going to enjoy this one. I think that's a you good know way to like put it, yeah. it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't do anything that strays away from the first two. No. It's just... I would just say, though, that it's not... I don't feel like it's quite as laugh-out-loud funny, mm-hmm. maybe, as the first two movies are. That's Like, fair. I feel like in some ways, it's a little bit more reserved, mm-hmm. or a little bit more, uh, like, cautious... Interesting. ...than the first two movies, so I... Mm-hmm. I you know, like it maybe isn't quite as zany or quite as sharp. Yeah, well, yeah, I would agree. The movie doesn't necessarily it doesn't take any huge risks per se, both in story or even like yeah, comedy, like you know, I could tell watching it, it does take a little bit of a safer route mm-hmm. compared to the the original two. Yeah. Um, but with that said, you know, if you in, like if you enjoy the first two movies, mm-hmm. you're still going to have fun with this one. Exactly. And this is the kind of film where. The whole point of it is to basically just sit back, mm-hmm. relax, and enjoy the journey. Exactly. And if you can do that, you're going to have a lot of fun. Exactly. And it, it really does a great job of still honoring these characters, even it in does. the way it's written. Like, yeah. they, feel true to, they feel true to Bill and Ted, and, and the journey they go on, like, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Again, I would, I'd rather have the film feel a little more safer and have them, like just deliver on that then be like oh we're gonna really deconstruct bill and ted and make all these weird decisions where they are in the future and it just kind of like leaves you upset by the end you're like really (laughs) you know like it made the first movies pointless and um there are some there is one cameo in the movie i won't spoil it but it was really awesome (laughs) it was a i won't say it was a certain musician but it was like i was not expecting it at all and when it happened it was just it was great. It was so fun. And um Yeah. It's an incredibly optimistic film. It like, is. Big time. It's pretty it's pretty upbeat from beginning to end. Even like even though there's um essentially like even though there's tur- tur- uh sorry, turmoil in the film and there's problems going on, the film's just really upbeat. Yeah. And you know, a lot of comedies today can be more, a little, well, not a little bit, like, a lot more cynical. Yeah, because yeah, Chris Duckman kind of pointed it out in his review of, of the movies, how, yeah, a lot of comedies today are more just focused on how horrible life is, how horrible the world is. Yeah. But this film is, like, the polar opposite in kind of a rare mm-hmm. fashion. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it just... Yeah, it's a film, and even yeah, in the way they like treat the characters, like it's not it's not looking at Bill and Ted through a cynical or a negative lens. It like yeah, like you know they have like their flaws <laughs> because in some ways they're very oblivious. Yeah, but they're always like pure hearted though. Exactly. And if they you know like they make a mistake, they're never, uh, you know. They're always trying to like just do the right thing. Yeah, and even the films they never look up. like, oh, look how stupid they are. No. And it's just you know, it's like these that's who these people are. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's a part of why you love them. Yeah. You know? 
So ironically, in that sense, just as a comedy in today's day and age, and then especially just, again, with everything going on in the year we've had, mm-hmm. to have a movie like that come out and be like the first movie you watch back at the theater, it was like mm-hmm. kind of amazing. I was like, makes me wish there were more comedies today. Yeah. That were much, just over, you know, there's plenty of ones I do that are much more kind of satirical or kind of like focus on the not, some of the not, not so great things in life, but mm-hmm. But I'm it yeah, it kinda harkens back to a different time with the original movies like Bill and Ted of like, yeah, mm-hmm. comedies don't always have to be about, you know, how horrible the world is. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, it deals with conflict and problems, but it's like it is just fun and upbeat and just very optimistic and the point of the film is to like just for to bring everyone together and to like enjoy together, you know? Yeah. So honestly, things like that to me are like the biggest strength mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah. So yeah, so I'd say overall with Bill and Ted Face the Music, I really enjoyed it. I Especially if you watch the first two movies and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend this film. I, I really don't doubt this film is going to satisfy your love for Bill and Ted. And mm-hmm. yeah, while it doesn't do anything to like reinvent the wheel or take big risks to almost like make this your, you know, do anything groundbreaking to like, oh wow, this is innovating on the Bill and Ted series and mm-hmm. now this is my favorite one. It's like the warm blanket that's a little safer, but it, it's very satisfying and comforting. Yeah. You know, and by the end, it leaves you like, oh, wow, they brought back these characters so I could watch like a satisfying conclusion to yeah. the series, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about, well, I won't spoil it, but yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about any weird negative things done with the, the characters. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think we both agree, like Bill and Ted face the music. Definitely recommend, and it was... Yeah, again, if you enjoyed the first two movies, I, you're probably going to have fun with this one. Yeah. You know, if you haven't seen the first two movies and you tried to jump into this, mm-hmm. then it might be kind of a weird experience. Yeah. Because Bill and Ted is just, by its nature, very goofy and out of the box and <laughs> yeah. zany. For sure. So, I feel like you kind of have to already... You have to already have, have seen and, and liked the first two. Exactly. And if so, I, you're, you're, like I said before, it's just the kind of movie where you're really just supposed to sit back, relax, and just kind of like, just have fun with what's going on. Exactly. And I think that's okay. We need movies like that. Not every movie yeah, is supposed to. Yeah, not every <laughs> movie has to be like really complicated and a thinker and require all this analysis. Mm-hmm. Like a tenant, yeah, which we'll say, get to. like the polar opposite of the movie is, that we're going to review next. We week. saw these. We saw these movies um, back to back. Back to back. We uh, saw Bill and Ted yeah. the first night, and then the the next night we saw Tenant. Mm-hmm. It's funny because they're both polar opposite films. Absolutely, but ironically, films that both deal with time in a very specific way without spoiling yeah (laughs) like but i mean yeah polar opposite yeah polar opposite movies (laughs) completely different Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. exactly so yeah so bill and ted face the music i would say you know if there's a theater by you that's open feel safe enough go check it out there or even on video on demand i think it's actually been like the top of the video rental sales for at home Mm -hmm. so i would say it's worth a watch yeah i i wouldn't say you know, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the three, mm-hmm. but it's still, a, it's a satis, it's a satisfying continuation and conclusion of Bill and Ted, and it's definitely worth watching. Exactly. And to close out on it, obviously, it only just lends to the fact that Keanu 
is he's in the Keanu sense. It's true. Although Alex Winters, I was surprised. Yes. He was like, I felt like, you know, Keanu did a good job mm-hmm. because it's Keanu. Yeah. But Alex Winters was like kind of on fire. Like he, I felt yeah. like for their age, um, he was, he was like, um, he was sharp. He was, yeah, he was just super excited yeah, and like super high energy the whole movie and like was just, yeah, it just seemed like he really especially like just got back into it. No problem. No. Well, and it's now that you're reading, it's funny. I'll mention this because I, I just learned recently, I guess because before this movie, Alex Winter was just like in the polar op, like he's been focused, I think more on like directing and making documentary films and so Um. many other things. So he's mostly been away from acting for a while. Mm-hmm. That when they were getting ready to make this movie, finally, you know, the script's been kicking around for so long. I guess he actually, I don't know how to what length, but I guess he said he actually took acting lessons. Because he had been away from acting for so long. Oh, wow. To, like, actually be, get back into the process so that he could play hmm. his character again. Which was kind of, like, crazy. <laughs> I was yeah. like... Because I agree with you. Alex Winter is incredible. Like, he's so Bill in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. he... Yeah. He actually is. Yeah, I, I, didn't th- I didn't even fully think about that before. Like, yeah, Keanu is really good, but Alex Winter's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, there's there's an extra sharpness to his energy and performance that yeah. is just awesome. Mm-hmm. So, and there is a post-credit scene, so watch watch through the credits, because you do get a fun little Yeah, don't skip scene. out early. <laughs> no, exactly. So, nice. Yeah, so it just felt good to get back to the movies, and it was great to watch a movie like mm-hmm. that. Uh, as our first film back. So I guess uh, to close out the show, and maybe we'll make this a regular thing of just kind of doing like a movie recommendation or kind of a recommendation, especially on the, you know, if they're on the streaming services. Uh, but ironically, in saying that, <laughs> um, what we're going to recommend today, it's on Netflix, which I'm guessing all or most of you have. Mm-hmm. And it's not a movie. And it's uh, actually in the realm of sports, which is outside of normally very much what we focus on in this show. But this is a series that completely took us by surprise. (laughs) And now to set this up, we, you know, we grew up spending the majority of our lives like born and and raised in Illinois. So we were alive during the 90s era of the Chicago Bulls, Mm -hmm. you know. Without question, Jordan mm-hmm. and Pippen and Rodman, all, yeah. all of them. So we we grew up in that era and have always, mm-hmm. you know, had a special love for them. But yeah, ESPN's docu series The Last Dance uh, was put on Netflix. I don't know how how recently it was. When did it come on Netflix? Um, I feel like it was sometime this year. I, yeah. I don't know when. I lost track. But it, it came out onto Netflix sometime this year, and I think maybe in the recent past. But it's about the whole era of that 90s Bulls team. And oh my gosh, it is it is captivating. It kind of is just one of the greatest things I've like ever watched. It was, honestly, it was ridiculously good. No. Like, I, I'm someone who, I don't, I, I'm not really a basketball fan, to be honest. Like, no, I've always, I, yeah. gr- I grow, I've grown up. With, of course, like, the 90s era of, like, the Chicago Bulls being, like, 
one of the best teams ever and, and you know, grown up with that stuff around. Mm-hmm. But I never ever was really like into it myself. And I'm not I'm not really much of like a sports guy, let alone basketball. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, it was one of the, like just the most freaking greatest things I've ever yeah. watched. You the know, last me, dance. Me too. Like I, I was yeah. like addicted no. after the first episode. I, I completely mirror what you're saying. Like I'm anyone that knows me like I grew up, like, in really enjoying sports as a kid, but I've just fallen out of it. Like, I don't really keep up with sports. I, I don't... It's not where my focus really ever is. Mm-hmm. So, for a series like this to pull me in, like, speaks to the strength of both, like, the craft of the documentary itself, but just the story. Like, yeah. And I guess it kind of fits on the show, too, because one of the most surpri- surprising things about it is, like, you know, it's a it's a docu-series, so, you know, it's not a any dramatized like fictional version of it so the the real stories that you watch from episode to episode and even small moments like feel like something out of a movie like the stakes online and even like it almost sounds like character changes but real person like growth and changes are like Mm -hmm. stuff you would experience in like a great movie like yeah it's weird what was just real life for them felt like a screenplay yeah. at times. Like it felt totally. like it felt like a piece of fiction, but it wasn't. It was just what was happening. Exactly. But it was so the way things played out and the the different like kind of types of characters you had <laughs> on the team. Yeah. It just was so it's weird. It was like it was cinematically orchestrated. Straighted. Even though it, it's not. It's, it's just it, again, it was just real life. It was just real them. life. And it was just yeah, no, it was just ridiculously good. No. I again, yeah. I'm I'm someone who I know really nothing about basketball, but I immediately fell in love with this yeah. ser- with the series. So to me, it, it, it that's why it feels like such an appropriate recommendation on the show cuz to yeah. all of you listening who love sports, like you're going to eat this up like yeah. butter. But to <laughs> those of you who who aren't sports people, you don't keep up much, this is a series that even without that deep knowledge it pulls you in and 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 makes you feel all just all of the excitement mm-hmm. and drama and stakes that are there yeah. and you're fully vested in yeah you know mm-hmm. and it makes you like experience the game in a way like you never have before like for me my love for the bulls and and basketball's like completely reawakened <laughs> and like i just yeah. yeah i wish i could go watch like a bulls game yeah right now all it all <laughs> Own every pair of Air Jordans I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All those things. But it just... Yeah, so it's on Netflix. I, I would say we both highly recommend it yes. for our pick this week. Absolutely. Because it's only... It's 10 episodes long. Each episode is about, you know... Roughly like, 50 minutes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So... I, I know we're sad. We just wish there was more. Like I wish, I wish there I wish was more. more. Oh my god! I wish there was more. Yeah. I wish there was more to it, the series. It's crazy because you get to peer into like the mind mm-hmm. of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Which that alone could be like its own docu series. Yep. That's just fascinating. Mm-hmm. But then you just also see like the dynamics with other guys on the team, like Scottie Pippen and yep. Dennis Rodman, and then uh, Phil Jackson, the coach, and. Mm-hmm. It's just all these different things that was just incredible to watch. Yeah. Even if you don't know, if you're like me and you don't know anything about basketball or sports and you know very little about like that era of the Chicago Bulls, if you just love like, if you just appreciate, uh, like, 
I'm trying to figure out how to word it. If you just appreciate, like, great, like, setups mm-hmm. <laughs> of destiny or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like, there's just these coincidences of fate. Yeah. And just, like, when real life feels stranger than fiction, if you just appreciate mm-hmm. that, you're going to get something out of the series. Exactly. Even if you don't know anything about the Chicago Bulls or sports, Yeah, you're going to get something out of this. Exactly. And just a story that explores the mechanics of greatness. Of why and how it occurs, yeah. Because it, like, like a great story, it you know, it deals with all like the things you can't fully understand, like how someone, like a Michael Jordan, is born with that talent. But at the same time, it shows like the deep realities and the true process of how you get there, like Mm -hmm. how someone like that gets there, and even how a team like that actually comes together to achieve something greater than any one of them, Mm -hmm. like individually. Yeah, like. Yeah, it, it we're, we're, we could rant on about it for a long time, but mm-hmm. it's an incredible series, and it solidifies why that era and team of the Bulls is the best basketball team of all time, <laughs> why Jordan is the best of all time. If you have a differing opinion, I know I'm someone saying this from an ignorance of uh, sports today, but I will uh, hold this point uh, forever, so you can't change my mind. <laughs> can't do it. can't do it needless to say go and watch bill and ted face the music yes and go and watch the last dance without question yes so if you one is just a really nice easy comedy Mm -hmm. and then the other one is just like a captivating like just study into the mind of success yes (laughs) with no pun intended something that grabs you by the horns (laughs) Because it's the Chicago Bulls. If you don't get it, the Bulls horn. Anyways, so Luke, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank and you for having me. Yes, and thank you that you're, you know, going to be a part of the show regularly. You know, we're going to have some episodes, obviously, in the future. We'll, you know, that'll be interviews and story time. But mm-hmm. uh, the the main body of the episode is going to be Luke and I sitting down, just talking things out and reviewing things. Yeah. Because there's just a lot of... Mm-hmm. greatness in film to explore together mm-hmm. so that's it folks we're gonna wrap up today's show so to exit out of here i'm just simply gonna leave you with the fact that movies matter and so do you take care movies of matt movies of matt movies 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 of matt 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 Movies, 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 movies